A reading from the Gospel of our Lord according to Mark, the first chapter, beginning with verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We're traveling through year B in the common lectionary cycle, Mark's year. You've already heard me say that. We've blinked twice and arrived at the baptism of Jesus this week, 30 or so years after our Savior's birth. No escape to Egypt, not even a stop with Luke in Jerusalem for Jesus' 12th birthday. We're left with questions about the intervening time, and nearly no answers from Mark, anyway. So we do what imaginers have done through the ages. We guess. Our conjectures may not be bull's eyes, but pretty close. Outside of the Bible, history hasn't revealed much specifically about Jesus. But we know a lot about Jesus' people, not the 60s types. That makes our guesses educated, at least to some degree. Tradition has it that Joseph was older than Mary, not an unusual relationship for their time. If Mary was 12 to 16, Joseph might have been a 20 to 25-year-old cradle robber, old in the time when life expectancy was in the 30 to 40-year range. So we safely assume that Jesus had died, uh, Joseph had died by the time Jesus tramps down to the Jordan to visit his Baptist cousin John. Up until that time, Jesus, being the oldest male, took up the provision and care for his family until a couple of things happened. The young'uns got to where they could look out for themselves and their mother, and Jesus reached the age where rabbis began to be respected for their age, around 30 or so. He wasn't the young man we make him out to be, rather the mature, responsible, respected, wizened, 
if slightly offbeat, time-tested adult male. He may even have had a little gray around the ears. Oh my, not something we usually think about when we think about Jesus, is it? Something else was brewing inside of him all these years. How it steeped, we can only speculate, but that's kind of what we're doing today. Jesus, according to Luke, had an awareness of his unique relationship with his heavenly Father and a vision for how his life would play out over time and change the world forever. John the Baptist was a quarterback of sorts. He received the divine truths from the prophets like a quarterback takes a center snap. He dropped back, scanning the line for potential receivers who he could hand off or toss this truth to. He fixed his eyes on Jesus and passed to the sacred secrets his way. A heavenly voice validated his choice as he pulled Jesus out of the dirty, cleansing Jordan, thundering, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Immediately, as Mark likes to declare, Jesus scrambled off. Truth enfolded like a holy pigskin in his bosom. The Spirit of God leading him into the wilderness of testing that would become his life. Jesus, uh, John, now the chief cheerleader, urging him on. Oh, what we humans wouldn't give for such a divine endorsement. I want to suggest, however, that this holy imprimatur was not as clear-cut as our 2020 hindsight allows us to imagine. If Jesus was only God masquerading as a man without any doubts about what the future held, then his value as one who came and experienced uncertain life as we humans live it is limited. The divine Son connects with us precisely because the parental endorsement was like ours, one part pride, one part faith, one part confidence, and several parts worry. Not so divine picturing God the Creator worrying about His Son, is it? as a human father who occasionally, occasionally worries about my kitties, I can imagine God doing nothing less. Why do I think this story bears repeating today? First of all, because it reoccurs in the lectionary, as it does every year on this Sunday. Secondly, because I think we need the reminder and reassurance every day that just as God was up to something special in Jesus, God continues 
to do battle with evil and injustice and weariness and apathy in and through us. We are the body of Christ in and at work in our world today to carry on and nudge the mission and ministry of Jesus closer to its completeness. We have been baptized by God with the attitudes and abilities needed to get this work done to the praise and honor and glory of our Savior. Here's the important point to remember. We so often conceive of God's blessing in terms of a reward for a finished job, almost, almost like pay. Most of the Bible, however, in the Bible, God extends blessing like grace before any sense of success comes our way. Yes, at the end of it all, the voice affirms, well done, good and faithful servant. But more regularly, it is at the beginning or in the middle of an adventure or challenge when we hear over the roaring flutter of abdominal butterflies. Way to go. Keep it up. You've got this. Just a little farther. I am really pleased with you. Here we sigh. At the beginning of another year, an uncertain one to be sure. We've beat that subject over the head enough of late. I want to suggest that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, faced down the same uncertainty as we are called to do. Jesus was baptized not because he needed forgiveness, but because he wanted us to know that he was all in on this human endeavor thing. The voice from heaven wasn't just for him, but for us too. Because Jesus took on real human flesh and ways, he had moments when he puzzled, okay, what do I do now? The divine voice assured him, relax, you're okay. I have faith in you. Stay the course. I love you. God proclaims that message not only for Jesus, but also for us. I don't know everything about how today measures up for you, but your very attention to this message tells me this. You want to do right by God in this new year. Let me share this message from God still at the beginning of this year. 
I borrowed it from Mark, who heard it from the heavens. And this is God's message for you. You. And you. And you are my child, my dearly loved one. With you, I am well pleased. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us continue to worship, affirming our faith using these words adapted from Hebrews chapter 5. Every high priest chosen from among mortals offers gifts and sacrifices for human sins. One does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Jesus Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You are a priest forever. Although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Having, had, having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs> 